Welcome to the Gospel City Church Podcast. We're glad to have you here. We hope you would hear, be challenged, and encouraged by this week's teaching. Head to gospelcitynow.com for more information. Well, uh, you know, as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, I often get the opportunity to, to, to invited in to preach in, in, you know, different avenues, whether that's a camp or uh, whatever. I've been asked outside of our church, I've been asked to preach at different places. And, and there was this one time, I forget how many years ago now, uh, I was asked to preach at this ski retreat for some, some high, from middle school and high school students. Uh, the retreat was somewhere in Indiana, but the students all came from West Tennessee, like these churches in rural uh, West Tennessee. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Tennessee geography, but if you, from Nashville, if you go west, you'll eventually hit Memphis, but but between Nashville and Memphis, there's, there's nothing, and except for Clarksville, but that's a military town, and they have to be there. But besides that, there's nothing there. And, and, uh, and, and so here I am. I'm preaching this retreat, and uh, it was cool, though, because, you know, I'm on the slopes. It was a cool retreat. They pay for me to, whatever, go snowboarding for a, a day or two. And, and, uh, but I, I, you know, what was cool about the retreat is because all these kids were from West Tennessee, I knew them very quickly when I saw them on, on the slopes uh, because they were the ones wearing camo while skiing. And uh, I, I, don't know if, you know, I don't know if you've been skiing a lot. You don't see a lot of camo on the slopes, you know. Uh, but it was cool because I'm like, hey, that kid's with our group. That kid's with our group, you know. And I was able to kind of uh, talk to them that way, you know. And I, I don't know if camo felt disrespected. Like that's the opposite use that you're supposed to use camo for. Uh, but here they are. They were using it. And, and so I'm preaching this retreat. And, and the, the thing about it was, you know, uh, we, we, there was a bunch of smaller churches coming together and, and, and bringing their students up to the camp. And when, when you preach at something like that, it's very easy to tell. Very quickly, you can kind of tell what the spiritual aptitude of the group is. And, uh, and, and that group, it was a tough group. It was a very tough group. And I began to preach, and, uh, I, you know, it was a, just kind of a tough crowd. And, um, you know, and so, so I do what I, the only thing I know how to do is, hey, they're, they're not with me here. I'm going to preach a little harder, right? And so I, I'm preaching harder, right? And, and they just weren't with me. They, they weren't getting it. Uh, they, they, were not, they were not picking up what I was putting down. They were not smelling what I was stepping in. Uh, they, they were not with me. I was hit, preaching like I was preaching to a, to a brick wall. And so then, like mid-sermon, I said, hey, this ain't working. And so I, I, I like mid-sermon change my, my strategy. So I just, I went from preaching whatever I was preaching. I don't remember what I was preaching now. But change to say, I'm just going to go into telling my testimony so that I can preach the gospel in that way, because maybe that'll connect with the students. But it, but it was a tough group. Now, today what we're going to see is the writer of Hebrews. If you remember, when we began this series, we said that the book of Hebrews was a sermon. It was a sermon being preached. And what the writer is going to do now, we, what we're going to get into today, is he kind of stops mid-sermon, and he kind of says to his crowd, I would teach you these things, but you are too spiritually immature to get it. Now, could you imagine if I did that? Could you imagine if I stopped mid-sermon and I said, y'all ain't getting this. It's because you're spiritually immature. I mean, could you imagine that? That would be crazy. But he, that's what he does. He stops the sermon, mid-sermon, to kind of rebuke them uh, on their, their lack of uh, willingness to understand 
the deeper things of God. And so remember, he, he was kind of going through this uh, picture of Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, and how that related to Jesus as our high priest. And he's going to get back to that in chapter 7 through 10. But he kind of stops and he says, i got to stop here for a moment because you're not hearing me. And you're not hearing me because you're dull of hearing. And you're dull of hearing because you are spiritually immature. And so, so he puts the brakes on it for just a moment and to, to kind of bring them back and, and, and to exhort them particularly to grow up. He's going to talk to them about how they should be teaching by now, but they're, they're still drinking milk. They're still drinking spiritual milk. They should be eating solid food, but they're, but they're still babies in the faith. They should be progressed far enough to be able to teach these things, but they have to be reminded again of the elementary principles of the faith. And so he's going to rebuke them essentially that they need to grow up. They should have an appetite for meat and not milk. And so the next three weeks are kind of the sidebar on this sermon. And next, uh, you know, they're not all about this, but, but this kind of sidebar within the text uh, to, 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 to break off from the Melchizedek argument to bring us to something else. So that's what we're going to be dealing with in the next three weeks. And, uh, and, and, the, and the writer of Hebrews, his main goal here is he's trying to shake them out of their apathy. He's trying to shake them out of their slothfulness or sluggishness and into greater faithfulness. Remember, the whole context of the book is to grow into spiritual maturity. That's what he's trying to get them to do. And so let's read our text today, uh, chapter 5 of Hebrews, starting in verse 11. It says this, about this, talk about Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, Jesus is high priest. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their, power, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Okay, let's, let's dive into a few points here. The first thing I want us to point to and notice, he, he calls them dull of hearing, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a child that didn't want to eat a particular food. Right, uh, Like when your kids are little, they eat anything, they just, you just put it in their mouth. And, but they eventually begin to taste, what, and they, if they find something they don't like, they what? They spit it out, right? And then they get to the age where, like, you, you know, you, you can feed them anything to a certain point. You know, here's broccoli and here's what, everything green. And then they get to the age where, like, I don't like things green. And so, I, and now I can say, I don't want that, right? And so they begin to say, we, you don't want that. And then, and then they begin to spit out or not eat what you're, you're offering them to eat. And then what does every parent then begin to try to do? Uh, they try to change the delivery, Right? So maybe if I could deliver the food in a way that, that is better, that they would eat the food. So, you know, a parent, here comes the airplane. Open up. Right? Here comes the boat into the, you know, here comes the train into the station. You just try everything, right? To get the kid to eat a piece of, a piece of broccoli. You know, you probably are going to find this same strategy in a lot of churches today. In that, the people of God don't want to eat the, 
the food that would be good for them unless the pastor delivers it in a way that is so entertaining that they will open up and eat. Now, obviously, um, this is a dangerous place to be, right? Every pastor that has to work through that is working really hard not to understand the text or to deliver the, 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 what the text says, but delivering the, the word to the people in such a way that is palatable enough for them to open up and, and, and eat it, right? They're trying to get the message in an entertaining way so that they'll consume. You know, here comes the airplane, I remember I watched a sermon one time of this guy. He literally was doing an illustration where he like army crawled on the ground. And I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to give me a revelation if you want me to army crawl on the ground. Praise God, you wouldn't be able to see me anyway uh, down here. But, uh, but, but, but like just the mentality to say, I got to do something crazy in order for the people to be able to hear from the word of God. Like the word of God is not enough. Now, I don't remember the message that that guy preached. I remember that he crawled on the ground, and that's the danger, that you would remember the messenger and not the message. And so in in this act to accommodate the spiritual immaturity of of the church, the pastor then tries to entertain. Now, an even greater danger and very prevalent in churches today is not just an entertainment thing, that's a whole different issue, but to change the food, to say, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's not my delivery that's the problem. Maybe it's the broccoli that's the problem, right? Like putting ketchup on broccoli is one thing, but then saying, hey, maybe the broccoli is the problem. Let's change out broccoli and put in a marshmallow. And that's what we have in a, in a lot of churches where we say, hey, you know, it's, we don't need to serve good food. Let's serve the things that keep people coming back. And that's the danger. Right. And what happens It's kind of a song and dance, because what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like There's probably a little bit of both. There's probably churches and pastors that want a lot of no pastor is going to sit here and say, I don't want people to come to my church. No pastor is going to say that. Right. And so the constant battle and temptation for every pastor is to keep preaching the word of God and let God build his church. Right. Uh, But it's also the temptation of of believers to say, hey, I don't want something preached to me that's going to stir me in a way that challenges me. I'd rather leave feeling, oh, hunky-dory about my week, and let's go get them. And I didn't have to deal with sin. I didn't have to look at the blood of the cross. I didn't have to think about things that were hard for me to think about. And so I can go home and just watch TV, and everything's great. And what, what comes first? I think those things both work together. Now, as a counter-argument, some of you may say, I'm not dull of hearing, uh, because oftentimes a pastor will say, well, my congregation is just dull of hearing. And in reality, they're probably just dull of preaching, right? And, uh, you, you know, w- w- um, you, you can't, you, you shouldn't be boring as a, as a communicator, right? Now, I could be, I don't, I may have a blind spot here, right? You might say, David, are you listening to your own self-preach here, right? Uh, but, but the reality is this gospel message that we believe, the, the, the beautiful reality that Jesus uh, was sacrificed for our sins and, and redeems a people unto himself. This truth, it doesn't need bells and whistles, but it, it certainly should be preached as if it's believed. Right? It sure, certainly is not a message that would bring us to, to snooze. It's a message that uh, is, is the greatest story ever told and the greatest truth ever realized. 
And so it should be preached with a great passion. So, all right, so off of that side, you know, kind of side sermon, what is dull of hearing? What is it? What does it mean to be dull of hearing? Well, I think the text in, in 5.11 that we just saw, uh, it translates it dull. Later in 6 verse 12, it's the same word, but it's translated as slothful. So dull of hearing and slothful are the same word. So basically it's saying to us that there's this dull of hearing is spiritual apathy. It's, uh, it's what he's been trying to nudge them out of. Remember, he's, he's been trying to say, you can't just drift. If you drift, you drift away. You can't drift. You have to be intentional about your walk with the Lord. You, you can't be lazy. Laziness prevents your spiritual development. And so dull of hearing is one who is unable to listen to the word. He's unable to receive it, and he's unable to act on it. Now, I do want to point out the text doesn't say that the, the, that the listeners are ignorant, that they're not smart enough to get the message. It doesn't say that. They're smart enough to get it. The problem is spiritual. Their sluggishness or dullness or laziness, um, it, it, it's, it's a spiritual issue. And so he's imploring them to come out of that sluggishness and into spiritual maturity. So what does spiritual immaturity look like? I think the text tells us a couple of things that spiritual immaturity looks like. And so, so I'm going to go over these things so we can begin to kind of lay our life up against the Word of God, myself included. I've been wrestling with these things all week to say, okay, where am I? Right? Where am I? And being realistic, right? Uh, wherever you are, that's fine. We all want to move towards more spiritual maturity. There's not one person in here like, I want to go backwards. Nobody, wa- nobody wants to be less spiritually mature. Nobody wants that. So we're going to value, put our life up against the Word of God to see if, uh, and sorry about that, that, their equipment is kind of glitchy. So if that happens, that's because of something over there. Uh, so just, just be patient with us, all right? Uh, so what does spiritual immaturity look like? All right, so from the text, you see that they ought to be able to share with others. He said, you should be teachers, but you're not. You still need to be taught the elementary principles of, of God. So, so obviously, the recipient of this letter has been believers long enough to, uh, to, to, have, to be able to teach. They should, should have been believers a long enough time that, you know, he's not saying that you're a new believer. You shouldn't teach yet. No, no, no. They've been believers long enough that they should be able to teach by this point, but yet they're not. And instead of helping people to grow, they're having to be retaught the elementary things of God. So now he tells them they should be able to teach. This is not the formal sense of the word. So this is not, he's not telling them you should be pastors or elders because the responsibility to teach is on every believer. The responsibility to teach at some level is on every believer because in evangelism is teaching. And so every believer should have the should grow to the point to have the capacity to be able to share the basic truths of the gospel, the basic biblical narrative with someone else. So you ought to be able to teach in, in, in that way. And, uh, and, and instead, they had forgotten the fundamental things of the faith and, uh, and, and they were having to be retaught. So you see that they, they should have been able to share with others, and they, they couldn't. Second thing you see is that they were eating milk and not meat. 
They were eating milk and not meat. Milk, and we'll get into this some next week. Uh, what are those basic principles of, uh, of God? But basically, the simple biblical narrative of the Scripture. How, you know, the gospel. Um, Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father. These are the basic elementary principles of, of the, our faith, and you should be able to teach those things. What is the meat? You know, well, meat is uh, things like, like he had been just teaching. That Jesus is our great high priest. He's of the order of Melchizedek. Um, to think, you know, just the, the deeper doctrines of God. So we should be able to eat uh, bigger meals, right? We should be able to, you know, when we first became a believer, it was like uh, very simple things, you know. It's a very, um, you know, just elementary truths. And we, that brought us to faith in Christ. But then we wanted more. We wanted to know more about our God. We want to know about more of who he is, right? And, uh, and then thirdly, you see that there's a lack of discernment. There's a lack of discernment. And, uh, you know, kids lack discernment, right? Uh, you know, when you have a small child in your home, you have to baby-proof the whole thing, right? You remember this? When you had small children in your home, maybe, maybe you had small children in your home, you got to baby-proof everything, right? And, and so, like, you can't have breakable things in arm's reach, uh, right? And, uh, and then anything that is like accessible, you have to be okay with that thing being put in a toddler's mouth. They, they don't have the ability to discern what goes in their mouth and should go in their mouth and what shouldn't go in their mouth. They don't have the ability to do that. And so they, they put everything in their mouth just to be safe, just to check it out, right? And they don't, they don't have the discernment to know, hey, this is something that I should not put uh, in, in, my, in my mouth, right? And, uh, and, and so for a believer, how does that flesh out for a believer? Um, oftentimes a believer doesn't know what he should or should not listen to. Um, oftentimes when I meet spiritually immature Christians, they'll watch every TV preacher on the TV and think everything is great because it's under the heading of Christian. And uh, or you get on Amazon and you click on books and you click on Christian and you think all those are good because they were under the tab Christian. Uh, and for a spiritually immature individual, they'll lack the discernment to be able to say, hey, this seems a little off. Um, you, you need to understand that if the enemy is going to come after believers, he's going to try to confuse them because he he is he is. Uh, the Lord of confusion, right? He wants to confuse them. He's going to do that through the things that they hold near and dear. And so he comes at them in that way, right? And so, so uh, an immature person lacks discernment and, and uh, knowing how to apply the good and evil things uh, uh, of the world in, in their own life, right? So let me read to you this. This is 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. It says this, have nothing to do with the irreverent, silly myths, now, hear this. I know it's not on the screen. Well, maybe it will be in a minute. Uh, hear this. It says this. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. And it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So you see Paul's 
encouragement to Timothy here is for him to train himself in godliness. We've said this several times throughout this series, but you don't become godly by accident. You don't fall into godliness. You work at it. You grow in it. You train for it. You train for godliness. And that's exactly what Paul is encouraging here. And, uh, and that's, what, well, that's what maturing believers do. They train towards godliness and, uh, and continue to pursue Christ in that way. And this is, this is the whole church. This isn't just pastors and elders. This is everybody. Now, now this is, I'm going to give a little side rant here. This is my issue with eternal Sunday school. Some of you went to churches, you grew up in churches, you were part of Sunday school classes, and maybe those Sunday school classes were incredible. That's great. I I love that. But maybe you were in there for 30 years and did nothing. But you just came and you learned some more, and you went out and did nothing. And you taught nothing. And you came in and you learned some more, and you went out and did nothing. It's the analogy of the sponge, right? You know the analogy of the sponge. Like if you have a sponge and you fill it with water, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to wring it out, right? You wring out the sponge to keep it from getting moldy, right? It's the same picture for believers. Like you get filled up, you can learn things. Why? So you can be wrung out. So you can teach it to other people or serve the church or serve your community or teach the things of God. What happens is for believers, they just come to Sunday school class or they sit in something forever. They get filled up with water, filled up, filled up, filled up, and never wrung out. And they become nasty, smelly, moldy old people. And they get cranky. And so we have to be a people that's wrung out. You got to understand that the spiritually mature person realizes that he learns things not just for his own benefit or her own benefit, but also for the benefit of the church and the benefit of the world to know Christ. That's why we press in. That's why we continue to push into the things of Christ. And so, so we want to be that, right? The spiritually immature people. Um, now, so it kind of goes two ways, right? They learn little. We've kind of seen that but they also only learn for themselves and not realizing that you're saved not just for you. You're saved for the Great Commission. You're saved to be sent. You're not saved to just sit and soak and become moldy, but God has purpose for saving you for his own namesake and glory's sake. Right? So there's, now listen, if you're a new believer in here, there's nothing wrong with drinking milk when you're a new believer. We would be fools if we were to have a baby and say, all right, you're two months old, here's some steak. That'd be silly, right? Why? Because it, it's dangerous. He'd choke on it. The baby would choke on steak, right? That's not what you do. You, you feed the baby milk, right? And, but eventually, the baby begins to grow. And then as that baby begins to grow, you begin to introduce solid foods to that baby and to the point to where they sit down at the table. If you're like me, you know, your favorite meal is a steak. Give me all the red meat. I want it all, right? And that's how they are. That's how we are spiritually. We come to Christ. We will grow for a period of time, but eventually the milk won't satisfy us anymore. We want the deeper things of God. We want to press into the deep things of God. Now, the same word picture Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Hey, we may just need to cut that out. Just leave it off. Three, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2 says this, But I, brothers, 
could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. You, you hear that? I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. And look, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it. So Paul is making a connection here that there, there, there is a connection between a spiritual immaturity and moral immaturity. He's saying that, listen, the people, the, the, you, you couldn't address you as spiritual people but because you were infants, you were spiritually immature, but as people of the flesh. So spiritual immaturity leads to believers that are believers of the flesh. They follow their flesh. They follow after the things of the world. So then, we don't want to do those things, right? We want to move out of those things. What does spiritual maturity look like? And we all want to be spiritually mature people, right? I mean, I take it for granted that we all want that. We all desire that. We don't always make the best decisions to get that way. But we all would say, if we were to sit down together, you would say, yes, I want to be spiritually mature. I want to be a spiritually mature person, right? If I were to take a poll, no one would say, hey, no, I would like to suck on a bottle the rest of my life. Nobody would do that. Right? That would, be, that would be foolish, right? We want to grow in our faith. We want to be a blessing to the church. We want to be a blessing uh, to the community. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews here, uh, he seems to assume that the audience wants that too, that they want to grow. The, 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 the spiritual infancy is not a perpetual state. They have to grow out of it. They have to come out of it. They have to grow up. So what does that look like? Well, some of these things are going to be a bit repetitive, but the first thing is that you're not dull of hearing. That means when you come to the Word of God, and you come to the Word of God, or you sit on the teaching of the Word of God, that you're uh, prepared to hear the Word of God, to receive the Word of God, and to act on the Word of God. If we become dull in hearing, we hear the, the Word of God is preached over us, but it doesn't take root. We don't receive it, and we don't act on it. It just becomes a nice, fluffy, cute time together with people and ultimately doesn't lead to a heart and a life that's being shaped into the image of Christ more and more. So we want to be people that are not dull of hearing. We, we want to sit under the Word of God and say, God, whatever you want in me, I submit it to you. So teach me. Help me to hear. Give me ears to hear. You remember when our Lord would always say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Every time he said that, he was basically saying, he who is not dull of hearing is going to hear this. He whose eyes have been opened and is, is not being blotted out by their own sin and rebellion, they're going to hear this. So don't be dull of hearing. Secondly, they can eat, spiritually mature people can eat solid food. You can eat solid food. You can um, come to the Word of God, and it, it, um, you, you can feast upon things, doctrines and theology. And um, you, you may not be there right now, but you should want to press more into that because what we want to be is a people who know God, who know Him, know what He's like, know how He's operating in my life, know, know how He's moving in the world. 
And so we want to wrestle with doctrines like the doctrine of the Trinity or, you know, the doctrine of election or, you know, the, you know whatever. We want to press into those things and say, hey, I want to know as much about him as I can. I, I want, I, I'm hungry for some steak, right? I, I, want, I want a good feast of God in my soul. And so spiritually mature people continue to press into that. Now, wherever you are in that kind of progression, maybe you're just like it, you're eating Bud's chicken right now and you got to get to steak, you know, that's fine. But, but the, the encouragement for the writers and the encouragement for me, your pastor, is to say, let's take the step towards that. Let's press, let's, let's press more towards that, right? And so then the third thing you see is that they just have discernment. Now, the discernment is critical in our lives. It's the, it's the biblical worldview by which we operate, by which we make decisions. Like he said that you can tell what is good and evil and how that comes about in your life. It's the ability to think rightly about, about the, our life and the scriptures applied to our lives. That's what discernment looks like. And, uh, you know, as the book of James, we'd be able, as the book of James encourages us to discern the perfect will of God and to do it. And so that's, that's what discernment looks like. It, it, and that only comes through familiarity with the Bible. And, you know, familiarity with the Bible is only accomplished through time and through constant practice, as this uh, scripture tells us. Now, we, we should be believers that dedicate ourselves to the study of God's word, to sit under the preaching of God's word. And, um, and, and you know, this happens through um, sitting under preaching, reading, listening to the word, uh, listening, reading things about the word. I would encourage a good systematic theology book would be a great place to start. They, there, there are some I could recommend to you that are varying degrees of difficulty, some very easy to read, that I would encourage you to, to begin to step into, to think, spending time thinking about your God. Right? And, and we, uh, something I'm very excited about for our church, uh, we uh, here at Gospel City, we're working on some online classes uh, some online, um, almost like a podcast kind of thing, a 10-minute thing uh, that, that we want to begin to train up um, theologically. So we're going to do some, some basically some systematic theology uh, coursework like that, but, but in palatable pieces. You know what I mean? I'm t- I try to make the hard things as simple as possible so that we can grab it and go and run and, and eat it and, 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 and enjoy that and continue to eat more, right? And so that's what that's going to be as well. We're also going to do some uh, life application stuff and some leadership stuff. But, but uh, the, the main goal for, with us being portable is how can we disciple our people? That's the thing. And we want to be able to do that in a way that is uh, accessible to you while we don't have a building. Now, if one of you want to buy, pay for a building for us, so great, we'll get in there. But uh, until then, uh, we'll do some online podcasts, all right? So, uh, so that's what we're, I'm excited about that. Be praying for that. Uh, but, but, but for a believer, our learning never stops. It never stops. You know, we may be spiritually mature, but we're still spiritually maturing. Right? You never stop spiritually maturing. You may be spiritually mature, but you never stop spiritually maturing. And so we all are. And matter of fact, if you are in a position of spiritual immaturity, I would encourage you to go to someone that you deem to be spiritually mature. And if they are spiritually mature, what they would tell you is, I don't know a thing. And I need more of the Bible now than I've ever needed. 
And I need more of Christ now than I've ever needed. And that's the beauty of spiritual maturity is that you become more aware of the fact that you need more of him. That you need more of his word. You become more aware of those things, right? And so, and that's what discernment is, is realizing those things, understanding those things. It also means that the Bible doesn't scare you, doesn't disorient you. Uh, you, you, you know, there may be some of you in here that you've just given up on this thing because I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't know what this is talking about. Therefore, I'm done. Or, or like you've tried to read through the Bible plan, you know, 47 times and you always get to Leviticus and quit. Right. But, but the sermon is that this word doesn't scare you. Like you become uh, more familiar with it. Right. You, through reading it, studying it understanding it, reasoning from the scriptures, right? And, and taking these things and applying them to, to our life. This, this kind of discernment is what a spiritually mature person looks like. It also looks like, I t- kind of talked about this earlier, you have the ability to eat the fish and spit out the bones, is what I say, right? Like you can hear a sermon or read a book and critically think spiritually about it. That, that's spiritual discernment. To be able to read something and say, hmm, that sounds weird. I wonder why that sounds weird. I'm going to go to the Bible and see if that's true. Or David preached something. That sounded crazy. I don't understand that. Is that right? I don't know. I'm going to check him. I'm going to double check him on this. Right? But that, that kind of discernment works in you to say, I can, I, can, I can eat the fish and spit out what ain't good. Right? Spit out the bones. And so that's what this discernment looks like in a spiritually mature person. Now, uh, the only way we go from spiritual immaturity to spiritual maturity is, again, like a child, you, when you first become a believer, you drink milk, and you progressively eat more and more solid foods until at some point in your life, um, you know, if you say, hey, where are we, where, you can go anywhere for dinner, where are we going to go? And you're like, hey, take me to the steakhouse, right? Because that's where I want to eat. That's the progression that we're all journeying on, right? And the only way to get there is, is, again, to start with the milk, but begin to add in solid food so that you would, you would begin to grow into a strong, spiritually mature man or woman, and that you would grow in the Lord in, in, in that way. Now, what we've seen, it's the individual's responsibility to grow in spiritual understanding. Absolutely. So if you're not growing in spiritual understanding, you need to look look in the mirror first. But also, it's the church's responsibility to teach the individual believer. We talked about this kind of at the beginning of my message, but if, if like some of you today might be like, David, this is a little, this is a little tough. This is a little hard. Uh, if, we, if the preacher only preaches milk, he's only going to have a room full of babies, and I don't have enough arms to hold enough bottles. I have to, we have to teach how to eat and how to eat well, right? How to eat the good things of the Lord, right? So, so I, you know, many congregations sadly drink nothing but milk because that's all their pastors serve up. And again, I don't know what comes first, chicken or the egg, but because also in other cases, congregations stubbornly refuse solid food. So it's like, okay, what comes, what do we need to do? So what I'm resolved to do is I'm going to do my best to serve me and, and, uh, Pray that God will give us an appetite for that. Give us a greater appetite for his word, to know him, 
and uh, to, to, make, to make much of him. And that's what healthy churches look like, I think, or healthy Christians that are eating, they're well-nourished, and uh, they, they're eating the meat of, of, the, of the Scriptures. Now, this process of spiritual maturity could be a long one, could be a challenging one. It's not going to happen. You're not going to turn into a spiritual. If you're spiritually mature, you're not going to be spiritually mature overnight. It's not going to happen. But through time, through constant training, right? And uh, it, it, some of you say, well, maybe I can drink milk forever. Well, sure, you can. But you, you won't grow to be what God wants to do in you if you continue to drink milk forever, right? You want to grow to, to be used of God in his world, you know, to, to be able to teach the things of God, then you have to begin to eat those things that he's offered up, right? And so this takes time. This takes, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process. You're not going to be perfect in it, but it's a process, right? And so if we desire to be if we desire God more than just being saved, and I think every believer should, A, yes, want to be saved, but then we should have this desire to just honor him with every part of our lives, to honor him fully with the whole of our being, right? And if we, if we want that, right, then we got to submit ourselves to some of those deeper truths and doctrines that he's taught us through the scriptures. So, so it begs the question, do, where do you want to be? Right, I, I can't, you know, I can't come to your house and put a bottle in your mouth and say, come on, let's go every, every day, right? You're going to have to take some responsibility to say, I don't want to be in this place forever. I don't want to be spiritually immature forever. I want to grow. I want, I want to grow. And then putting yourself together a plan to train for godliness. What is your plan? I, I, and I preached this before, or somewhere around the new year, I think, uh, where I said, Every believer should have a spiritual plan to grow this year. What is it? Now, even if you fail miserably at it, put, you, you know, put a plan together, right? Put, aim at something. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time, right? That's the adage. Put a plan together to say, this is what I want to do. I'm going I'm to read this book. I'm going to try to read this much of the Bible. I want to join this Bible study. I, I want to, you know, I want to listen to this podcast. that you have a plan to say, these are the steps I'm taking because I want more of him. I want to know more of him. They can be small steps. Don't overwhelm yourself, maybe. Some of them will be bigger steps, but you should all have a plan to grow uh, spiritually. And why not? Why not? I like to ask the question, you know, when you're doing something, you're trying something, just how's that working for you? Would it not be better for you to live nearer to God? Would it not be better for us to know more of Him? Would it not be better for us to be teaching in some capacity the truths of the Scripture to those who are younger than us, younger in the faith than us, maybe spiritually immature? And then I would just point us to the gospel. Do we not remember what has been laid out for us so that we could have life in Christ? Do we not remember that, yeah, we're working hard now to train in godliness, but we didn't work hard for our salvation. Jesus laid down his life to redeem for himself a people. And in his great grace and mercy, sent his Holy Spirit to you to open your eyes to the truth of the gospel so that you would see it as the most beautiful thing you've ever realized. 
and that you would fall upon him in faith to have your sin removed from you and have his righteousness accredited to your account so that you can stand before God Almighty now in prayer and asking of him of things and forever and eternity because you are now perfected under the righteous blood of Christ. How beautiful is the gospel that saved you. Now let us be a gospel people and give our lives to that. Give our study to that. Give every part of our heart to that. Because he's worthy of it. Every sacrifice you make, you say, David, it's just hard for me to think about the things of God, to read the things of God, work harder. Try. And every sacrifice you make when you stand before God will have proved to be no sacrifice at all. It will have been worth it all. So let us give ourselves to walking in greater spiritual maturity. And I pray that if the Lord will return, that he doesn't find a bunch of malnourished, milk-drinking baby believers. But he finds some hearty, healthy, steak-eating folks. He says, well done, Gospel City. You've been teaching these things. You've been walking in spiritual maturity. Praise be to God. Let's pray together. Father, so thankful for uh, just the Word. And, and I'll be the first to confess that there are I got more steps that I can grow in my own spiritual maturity. I don't stand up here uh, as the one who's perfected these things. Far from it. Far from it. And Lord willing, if you were to give me many more years, I pray that those years are just devoted to the study of of our great God, the adoration and worship of our great God. And that the more I learn, the more humble I become, realizing that this God of the universe saved a wretch like me. And the more we press into you and your scriptures, that it would just pull from us greater praise and worship And so, Father, just continue that great work in my heart. But also, I pray that for our church. I pray, God, if there are spiritual infants in here that are new to the faith, praise God. I pray that they would drink the milk of the gospel, grow in faith, and and then you would continue to grow their appetite to know better the God who has saved them. there's someone in here who is spiritually mature God I pray for extra humility for it's probably very easy to feel like we've made it we've got all the answers Uh, that would be foolish and I pray God that we submit ourselves under the the banner of Christ and teach but don't teach uh, as those who are high and mighty but we teach as those who are humbled under the grace of our Lord 
and that you would help us to realize that we have breath in our lungs, therefore we still got work to do. We've still got maturing to happen. We've still got a flesh to fight and sin to kill. So God, would you put that vision on our heart? And lastly, God, I pray for the one that uh, has been a believer for a long time but is spiritually immature still. I pray that once again the hope of the gospel would ring loud in their heart that you are not done with them. And God, that you want them to grow to know the sacrifice of Christ in a fuller way. To grow into spiritual maturity, not only for their own sake, but for this church's sake, our community's sake, the glory of God to all nations' sake. So, Father, would you move them in such a way that cling to those truths. If there's someone in here who's not a believer, Father, I pray that you would give them ears to hear. Or maybe they've been dull of hearing the truths of Christianity for a long time, but I pray that you would remove those cotton balls and let the truth of the gospel ring loud into their heart and soul. And that they would be saved and return to Christ. We love you, Lord. And we pray that you would just keep your hand on, on us, your church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel City Church Podcast. We hope you found encouragement, inspiration, and biblical truth that will challenge you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Our mission is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the city and to the church and to see disciples who follow him wholeheartedly. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. This will help us reach more people with a life-changing message of the gospel. You can also visit our website at gospelcitynow.com to learn more about our church and our ministry. Remember, the gospel is not just a message to be heard, it's to be lived. So let us be sent out this week boldly bringing hope, love, and truth to the city and the church. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to next time.